Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing. And that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. And with me as always, and I mean that this time, DJ Mark. What's up? Just us, brother. Guess um, I can leave my mic unmuted. Exactly. It's just us talking, folks. Um, guys listening to the show, um, just me and Mark today. Really going to just be a conversation more than anything, more than the roundtable we normally have. Because, well, it's just two people. Got to talk about what we saw this past Saturday. Um, it was honestly a lot, a lot of stuff happened, Mark. We got the fight itself. This was a four course meal, so we got a lot to digest. We had, we had the fight itself. We had all the, the card lived up, quite frankly. I really had nothing to complain about. Um, I would have, I actually, I complained that I went 0 for 6 in picks. That wasn't great. We yeah. did not crush it on the picks. Well, Mark's in first place now with his two and four record on this card. Yeah, we did so badly just getting two fights on this put me over the top. Um, we're gonna talk about the people's champ. Uh, talk about the Rock, not the asshole president. <laughs> All right. Uh, came coming out. The Rock coming out, them hitting his music, and him coming out with a belt draped over his shoulder was something that thirteen-year-old Bobby lived for. So we'll talk about that. Um, we're gonna talk about. Um, I mean. We'll talk about the stoppage, but quite frankly, the whole event was such a le- moment of celebration that this was even happening. We'll see what we think about this going forward. Uh, the Rock made other news. We got a movie coming out. We're going to talk about that. That's true. Uh, we're going to do our best not to talk about the asshole president, even though I talked about it twice. Didn't like that Jorge Masvidal called him a bad motherfucker. Really let me down. Um, we're going to talk about this card that's in Russia for, I'm going to say, under six minutes is my guess. Fair. <laughs> Under six minutes. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Um, Marcus, we had ourselves a bad motherfucker champion now. And really a wonderful performance by Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. Just I, getting I, it I, done. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it's wise to really showcase that because I think that is obviously getting overshadowed um, because of the what many are considering a bad doctor stoppage um, in between the third and fourth round, the doctor waved off the fight due to a cut. Nate Diaz has sustained, you know, actually I think he got that cut, you know, fairly early in the fight in the first round. Yeah. It kind of seemed arbitrary considering it didn't look like it was getting that much worse, but anyway. yeah, I mean, I think um, I will say this, uh, the cut was bad, but bad in the sense that it was big and, and, you know, nasty looking, it was not bad in the sense of a, a cut placement, which would normally stop a fight where the, the blood is directly, you know, leaking into the eye and impairing the vision of the fighter Um, that cut, you know, for as big and gnarly as it was uh, really wasn't affecting Nate Diaz's, you know, vision too much. He was well, you know, at it and Marcus, wiping a you lot. Know what? Let's just get into the cut part right now. Let's just get it out of the way. And we can enjoy the rest of this event because let's get the sour taste out of our mouth. The doctor stopped it. The doctor got shit on by everybody. Michael Chandler, like the point, Michael Chandler Beltor pointed out that doctor told him stop the fight once with him, saying he had a broken leg when the leg wasn't broken. Yep. The UFC doctor and Nate Diaz did a little video where the Nate Diaz said it wasn't him. This doctor would never do that. It was the other doctor. Tyson Fury had a way worse cut. They didn't stop. 
seemed kind of arbitrary and really just robbed Jorge Masvidal of his moment a little bit. Yeah. And robbed us because not that we thought Nate Diaz was about to win, but as you put it, these are the rounds where Nate Diaz does Nate, like, is Nate Diaz, like the fourth and fifth round. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we'll, we'll never know what would have potentially happened in that fourth and fifth round. I think Nate well, was still showing a lot of life, and it looked like Jorge was maybe slowing down a little bit, but. Honestly, for Nate to have turned that fight around, it would have been the biggest comeback he's performed, you know, throughout, throughout his entire career. I can't think of a fight where he had been losing so much of the fight so brutally where he was able to turn it around, but you never know. And, and more so, I think, to your point, Bobby, I think this really just kind of stole Jorge's big crowning achievement. Although, again, like we, like you said in the beginning of this fight, this was a fantastic performance by him. Nate showed a ton of heart and grit, and it was very game throughout this fight, you know, even in between that third and fourth round. He clearly wanted to continue. You can see when we were watching the fight, I mentioned that it looked like the doctor just told Nate he's stopping the fight, and Nate was like, nah, man, I'm good. Gave him the thumbs up. He's like, I'm ready to go. I'm not stopping. Um, the doctor, you know, did, did stop it. But really, you know, to, to really replay what happened in the fight, you know, Jorge was crisp throughout he caught Nate Diaz ducking down way too low early in the first round. He caught a nasty head kick. And one of the things that Nate does that I think for his ability to survive damage and the fight is really smart, for him to get judges' decision is really bad. He has this tendency when he gets hit good, when he eats a clean shot, he'll go to his butt. Um, and it's not even so much that like he's getting dropped to his ass, but it's like, he knows he took a good shot. He took some damage, and he is much better at defending himself um, in the butt scoop position. Where I mean, yeah, dude, dudes can drop down big punches there, but he's really good at utilizing his legs on his on his ass, and he's also good at you know if they do engage, getting him in the guard. That's a place where he actually can do some work. So anytime, and you saw it a lot in the Connor fight. Like Connor would would hit him with a, a clean left straight, and it wasn't enough. It's not like Nate was super dazed and just fell on his ass because he didn't have you know the wits about him. He makes that a tactical decision. He's basically like, I'm not going to, because a lot of times what happens with a lot of fighters is you eat a good shot, obviously don't want to go to the ground, because that's basically, you know, losing a point in boxing or, you know, looking very unfavorably in the judges, but you're hurt, you're dazed, and what can you do? You can try to cover up, you can try to clinch, and in those transitions, guys get caught and knocked out. We, we see it all the time. So it's kind of smart that when Nate eats a good shot, he goes to his butt it looks awful against the judges, and it it's gonna lose him fights if if it goes to them because you know it, it's hard to take a hit, fall on your ass, and really for a judge to think like, okay, that was a tactical smart decision on this fighter's part to better defend himself. Then instead of like, oh, this dude's getting his ass whooped, he had to take a seat for a second. Uh, but Nate did that. You know, he took some good shots. He went to his butt. Jorge, when he first knocked him down, uh, he continued to 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 strike with him on the ground, and I think he did really good work there. You know, I think it was smart that he let him back up, but he was going to the body and to the head. I thought he Jorge, honestly, Mark, overall fought more or less the perfect fight for his the way he fights and how Nate fights. Absolutely. Um, you know, he had that moment in the first where he did some damage. He was still grounding and pounding and, and doing some good damage there, but realized fairly quickly, like I'm not going to get it done here. I'm not doing enough damage here to sustain the energy I'm putting out. Let's get it back on the feet where I can land a really killer shot, where maybe I can get this kid to duck into another kick or a bad knee or drop into an uppercut, you know, really get in a position where he can do a lot of damage and finish the fight instead of, you know, continuing to dominate and throw a lot of punches and do some damage. But, you know, yeah, Bobby, I'm so with you. He really played this fight really smart. And uh, Nate, you know, to his credit, he, he, he was trying. He was, he was game in this, but, you know, a lot of my... Uh, 
praise has to go with Jorge. The striking was on point, like it always is. I was mostly surprised. You know, we saw Nate look really strong in the clinch against Pettis. I thought maybe that was a position where he'd be able to, you know, put some work against Jorge here, just utilize a lot of knees, really just kind of work him there. And Jorge was the stronger guy. You know, he was pushing up against the cage more often. Nate was still doing work, but I think he was still dominating those positions as well. You know what's interesting? And um, I think Jorge needed to win this more than Nate did because Nate's already Nate. And him losing fights the way he lost this fight too when you're a diaz brother fan and you're part of that like thing like like you can like the man held him down type shit you know what i mean like you live for this stuff what i would what i would say and what i've been thinking is it's not so much like jorge needed to win this it was this was really jorge's time to shine yeah The, the spotlight's never been brighter on this guy not even remotely close and and honestly i was just thinking about this on on the drive home today it's like Three years ago, I would never have foreseen Jorge in the position that he's in today. With three years, three years, n- nine months. Like, like, yeah, even, yeah, even that. I'm just saying, like, there is never in my wildest dreams that I ever think Jorge was going to rise to the popularity that he has at this point. Um, because I mean, and I think really, it, a lot of it has to be accredited to how he's changed his mentality going into these fights, and we heard it in the lead up to this fight that he basically kind of pulled a Chris Lytle where. He was reflecting on his career and he's saying like, man, think about what would have happened if I won all these split decisions that kind of I got robbed against. And he said to him, as he's reflecting on this, he said to himself, like, why am I thinking like a bitch? And that's his words, more or less. Um, why am I thinking about what could, from now on? I'm not going to decisions. I'm putting these guys away. And that's exactly what Chris Lytle did when he kind of turned his career around. It was no it was no longer just about trying to win decisions and just best these guys. It's to Stop these guys before the judges have a chance. And since he's done that, he's looked fantastic. It's like, uh, not to use a Diaz quote, but I will, kill or be killed out there, man. That's what he's going with that mentality. It's not, he's not even like, it's not that he's being risky. It's just, I'm going for finishes. Yeah, he's, he's going, I, I think he's asserting himself and being more aggressive and going after it a little bit. Because, you know, we used to think of Jorge as a really technical guy. Like, this guy is really sharp. He's always been sharp on his feet. But he would never... He never had that mentality that that we could kind of see that he's like he's really trying to get these guys out of there. It always seemed like he's trying to outpoint these guys. He's trying to show that he's the better fighter, the more skilled fighter. And in so many of these fights that go to the judges, it's a toy, it's a coin toss, right? Like it could be Jorge, it could be the other guy. And a lot of times he was on the the wrong side of those decisions. And now since he's taking this mentality of I'm just going to put these guys away, you know, don't leave it to the judges. A store has been born. Well, you so. know, you know, I'm also I was thinking about this on the drive home. And people who want to listen to this podcast might think it's just because I'm a big Nate Diaz fan, but we all are. And to be clear, we all love Jorge Masvidal. We've been talking about it. I picked him to beat fucking Ben Askren, for the love of God. Like, So it's not just that, but Nate, this fight existing, and it being the main event, and all the hoopla, and the fake fucking belt, and that there's, like, they all got paid. And the side note to this being Nate Diaz breaking USADA. Um, he kind of won, not that this wasn't part of it too, but he won, he already won once on many different levels, Nate Diaz, that he did this, like he made this happen. You know what I mean? Like Jorge was part of it too. Of course he needed Jorge too. He needed a dance partner, but Nate Diaz without Conor McGregor main evented Madison square fucking garden. And they made up a fake fucking belt and the rock was there the goddamn president i'll say it showed up he did this 
He made yeah. himself like more so than he already was. He he drew a line in the sand, and the UFC had to meet it, and he did it, and they bet and they bent to his will. And I'm gonna say this now, where Dana White's like, I'm not sure how interested he is in a rematch. Let me fucking tell you, he's interested in a rematch. That's just posturing to see if he can get Nate Diaz to lower his price to see how badly Nate Diaz wants this. Like, unless Conor McGregor is fighting Jorge Masvidal in January. This is the fight he wants. Dana White wants a rematch because he's printing money after Saturday night. So this was, even though he lost, I wouldn't consider this a total loss for Nate at all based on what happened, just this whole experience. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I agree with you because I would say, you know, this was kind of Jorge's moment because, and I think his moment had already started with Ben Askren. That's the fight that really put him on the map. I, I also think knocking out Till, he knocked out Till, right? Yeah. Yeah. Knocking out Till was the beginning of that, but this was really Jorge's chance to really solidify himself. He's on the spotlight. It wasn't just, I mean, I think the, the Ben Askren fight was, Ben does a really good job promoting the fight. Jorge did a great job promoting that fight. And then all, ultimately the outcome that came made him a star. And I mean, t- to go back to your point about Nate, this is really, like you said, Nate showing that he could headline a card, that he could basically materialize this fight and make it a big deal and it kind of really just spits in the face, I mean, of Dana White, what was it, four or five years ago, saying Nate Diaz doesn't move the needle. Yeah, and, and it was dumb then. Everybody knew it was dumb then. Everybody it was really the dumb because, I mean, uh, we'll see talk ratings. about it later because there's so much to unpack in this card. But he said, he's saying the same thing about Corey Anderson, which I think holds a lot more with Nate. Nate was always a fighter's fight. Little technical snafu, Marcus. You were talking about Corey Anderson making a statement in relation to Dana's dumb shit about Dana. Uh, Said about Nate. Yeah, we were just talking about, you know, uh, Dana saying Nate doesn't move the needle. And, you know, case in point, he basically materialized this fight, materialized the belt, built all the hype up. And like, like you said, you have to give some to Jorge. He needed, kind of like Connor needed that dance partner when he fought Nate. Uh, Nate needed someone that was going to be there that was able to, you know, hold hold their own with the promotion of this fight. I think Jorge did a fantastic job of that. Um, and yeah, in, in losing, especially in the way that he lost this fight... It's one of those things where you could say like, ah, oh, well, you know, it wasn't, he didn't really lose. The, the doctor stopped it. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, he got beaten, beaten uh, or stopped or anything like that. So yeah, I don't think Nate's stock went down, but ultimately it's just, it's just a proof of concept that, yeah. And, and I like what Nate said. I think it was leading up to this fight saying like, all my fights are going to be like this from now on. I'm only fighting big fights like this. I'm only going to be the main event. And, you know, we'll see if, if that is the case. He's the he second sustain. biggest pay-per-view draw in the company. Hands absolutely down. is um and and i think you know if you can find the right dance partners for him i think you could you know i don't think every fight's going to be bmf titles every time but i think if you can find someone that is going to be an exciting matchup for nate diaz you could make a pay-per-view main event without any title fights with this guy and you know look at the ufc and how many pay-per-views they want and how many titles they have floating around i think it's nice to have a guy that is this popular that you can put on a show without any titles and, you know, give it a good undercard and, and do killing it in the pay-per-view buys. So, Nate, um, Jorge said something. Um, I don't know if you caught it when he uh, at the post at the, in the interview with Joe Rogan where he said, we can do it again. Nate, he said, Nate um, did me the solid of calling me out and I will happy to replay the favor here because I think Jorge knows what Nate did for him. Like, Nate called him out, and Jorge just became a millionaire. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. I mean, look, it wasn't just Nate did it for him. Like, Nate needed a dance partner, but Jorge is a smart guy. There is a reason there's no bad blood here. And it doesn't need, there doesn't need to be bad blood. That's the thing. 
people who just want to manufacture this fake shit. If you're two people who I we know are going to throw down, we know they're not going to like lie to us about some bullshit. You don't need a Usman and Covington this up. You know what I mean? No, like, absolutely. I know what I'm thinking. Like, like when you book a fight, like remember when they book like Nick and Nick Diaz and Anderson Silva, and we're like, fucking yes, let's do it. Like, if you book the fights people want to see, you don't need to manufacture this shit. It's you don't have to. I didn't have to have Nate Diaz tell me Jorge Masvidal is an asshole. Like, it's fine. I the fact that they like seem to be genuinely con- congenial with each other is fine to me. It doesn't bother me even the slightest. Like Connor was trying to start some bullshit about like. Oh, uh, they, they, it's too bad. They're so friendly. These bad motherfuckers. I'm like, dude, shut up. Just shut the fuck up. It's not about that. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, b- bad blood can build hype because it builds the anticipation that like, well, these guys really don't like each other. And, and look, if it's fake, I mean, if it's real, it's great. Cormier and John Jones, it was fucking great. Like, yeah. I mean, the only reason why it gets people excited is like, well, they hate each other. They're going to try to smash each other's faces. And we've seen a lot of, you know, bad blood fights just turn out to be not that exciting because the, the fighters just don't have that ability in them to really give that kind of performance that, you know, all the hate and trash talk leads up to. And yeah, like you said, we didn't need it in this fight. We, we, we knew the actors in here. We knew they were going to put on a great performance and, and they did. And I think that's ultimately, you know, the, the cut stoppage sucks, but we got three great rounds jorge got to show what he could do nate showed his toughness and willing to continue and you know it would have it would have been better to to let it go and get a you know solidify the winner but it didn't put that bad a taste in my mouth we got you we're doing it again right you want to do it again yeah i mean when you were talking previously i guess we didn't discuss it too much you know what they're going to do next is kind of confusing because ultimately a lot of people are saying like oh jorge kind of wants to go after the belt but Honestly, whoever wins that fight is stylistically going to be a tough matchup. I don't for think he's, I don't think he's he's talking about boxing Canelo Alvarez. Jorge, That's true. That, Jorge gets Jorge is at this point like the UFC have devalued these belts, and Jorge's got a belt. The Rock gave it to him. Like it doesn't matter. Like he can say he's the best, and it doesn't have to be true. Like he thinks he's the best. That other belt doesn't mean as much to him, and he's talking about like he's shit talking Connor. And if I'm Jorge, and they make, and they're gonna make it worth their while to run this shit back in Vegas, and do it in Vegas, because I'm just gonna say it now: New York State doesn't deserve this, these fights, man. Like when these cards used to be in New Jersey, and New Jersey ran a really professional commission, and they just like would do these cards in New Jersey because they couldn't go to New York. We were all better for it. Every one of these cards, this commission doesn't. It appears they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, just it's a honestly, it's, yeah. it's a great venue of a bad they're, commission. They're they're milking them for extra money. Fuck it. Um, if Mike was here, I was talking to Mike about this. He was saying the same thing. Like, fuck it. This New York City does New York City. You don't have to do this car, these shows. You're, it's everybody's getting dicked by this, and they're not they're not handling it right. Anyway, um, if Connor's not fighting till January, Connor doesn't fight that often, even when he wants to be active. If I'm Jorge and they make it worth my mile, worth my while. They will, and they make it worth Nate's while. Let's run it back. It'll be a great rematch. We don't have to do BMF. We'll just have a really good fight. They'll sell north of a million pay-per-view buys. They'll all get paid, and I think it'll be great, personally. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what I think is also interesting is outside of a rematch, 
I mean, Jorge and Connor would be really interesting, but I think Jorge, he, I think he's done a good job potentially setting that matchup mm. because he, he so far kind of seemed uninterested in it. He's like, they're not going to let me fight Connor because I'll fucking kill him and they don't want to deal with the death, which I think is the best type of bait for Connor. Is like, this guy's not like, oh, I got to, I want to. Well, he wants it too. Every- Connor wants that belt. He, we yeah, want, I, mean, he, he, I think he wants the recognition, and I think you know he knows that Jorge carries a big name right now, and also Jorge has a style that I think matches up pretty well with Connor. Connor doesn't match up with Habib very well. I know he wants to run that back and get another shot at the title, but and maybe he can get it done. But it just seems like that's going to be a tough. I mean, look, fight the man's got self belief, and if his thing is he really he wants to fight either Cowboy or Gaethje in January, those seem more reasonable. Which is going to be Cowboy because Cowboy will. Bend to Dana White's will and take the fight for 150 grand. When Justin Gaethje, despite how crazy and his fight style is, wants a big check, it's going to be Cowboy. I'm telling you guys all that right now. It's going to be Cowboy. I, I agree. Because he's going to pay him pennies on the dollar, and they're going to get it. Um, and then if he's not, if he's going to fight him in January, Connor's not fighting before May. It's it's November right now. Jorge's 34. Like, get another fight, him, man. Yeah, he you know, did say he wanted to take a break, but I mean, really, it's like, but that's, that's what I'm saying, Bob. Like, okay, let's say Connor, obviously, like, not in the timetable. Jorge's pushing against it. Dana doesn't seem to Leon want to promote it. I, I guess, right? I, I guess the thing is, like, nothing's going to be as big as this was. And it doesn't seem like, you know, Dana doesn't seem super in. Jorge didn't seem super interested in an immediate rematch either. And I kind of get it in a way because, like, look, at, he, he beat the shit out of Nate. Well, no, no, he, he, he doesn't like, want to fight this week, but he says, I'll give him a rematch. Like, he'll a give rematch. Him a rematch. And it, but they all seem like it's, like, down the road, maybe in a couple of years or something. But it's just, like, I don't know what Jorge would want to do otherwise. You could do Leon Edwards. There's a little bit of a storyline. But we were even talking before this fight happened. Like, there's not a lot of steam. Only well, on Jorge said I already beat Jorge's like I already beat that guy. <laughs> he punched him in the face and that's good. But then it's like outside of that, it's like what kind of what type of fight do you put Jorge in to really showcase him? Because I don't think the title fight, you know, the winner of that is going to be a good style. I think you I think you run it back or he's waiting for Connor. Those are the two options. Yeah. I mean that those those are, are my favorite options. I don't know what they're gonna do. He's kind of in a little bit of a weird spot, but he kind of holds the playing cards, just like Nate did. He has the pay-per-view buys. He has, you know, the BMF belt with him now. He can kind of make his own match. I, I, I wish, so. um, I wish Eddie Alvarez didn't leave. I'm sure Eddie Alvarez wishes that too, because him and Nate would have been a good one. That's a good one. Because that would have been fun. Nate and Jorge, Nate and Eddie have a little thing too. I guess maybe I don't know. Maybe sure. they do it or not. But anyway, by the way, if it ends up being Connor versus Frankie Edgar, I'm not going to be happy. Like I'm not going to be unhappy, but I'm going to be. That's my least favorite option. Uh, agreed. No, uh, to be clear, I think he knocks out Frankie. And Frankie, look, Frankie's done his time. He deserves a big check here. But look, in terms of matchups, I want to see him fight Justin Gaethje 1, well, Cowboy Cerrone 2. If he fights Frankie, is it 45? Is it 55? 50, it's got to be 55. Yeah, and it's like well, Frankie's been fighting 45 for a while. And Frankie's I think going bad. down to 35, too. And that's, yeah, so it's just like I don't Which really I hate. I've made that clear. I don't like that at all. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, if really for Connor, it's, you know, I think there is some interesting fight. I mean, mostly for me, I want him to, he needs to get back on the horse I think you need to to pick. I, he needs a, a fight where he's going to be able to. Stand his up manager and, said we agreed on opponents. We agreed on date. I don't see anything that's going to hold it up. Which just pay the man and let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just he needs to get more time in the ring. It's been too inconsistent. And he, I think he needs to fight a striker, someone that's going to you know kind of work into his wheelhouse, get him a little bit more comfortable in the octagon again. I think Cowboy is the perfect fight. I think I mean, Gaethje is might, more exciting. Gaethje might beat him. I, well, I mean, I think. 
I think Gaethje, especially if he utilizes wrestling, which he never does, has a really good chance. I think if it's just a firefight, it's just like Connor is just so slick. I think he could find those. It's weird, too, because really when I'm thinking of Gaethje and how he can get countered, I'm thinking of like when he was fighting Eddie Alvarez. The new Justin Gaethje is just smoking dudes in the first round. I don't know what's going to happen. You know what, man? And that's I, why it's the most intriguing fight. That's the fight I really want to see is Connor and Gaethje. That's, yeah, that, the that's first quarter good. of 2019. Honestly, from this point forward, there's a lot of big car fights on the horizon, hopefully, with a bunch of little shit in the middle we can more or less ignore. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the rest of it. Let's talk about some more stuff that happened on this card. Um, co-main event. I mean, Darren Till... It's too. I thought he was just too big for him, to be honest. Like I thought, like Gastelum was having trouble with Darren Till hitting him and not being able to hit him back. That's just really all I got out of it. I don't know. I thought I thought the right guy won. It was a solid fight. Not nothing was amazing about it. Like yeah, I think this was kind of the 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 worst fight of the main card for sure. And it was a little in disappointing terms of, in terms of expectations because yeah, I expectations think had high expectations. And honestly, I don't think the fight was super super engaging. It was fine. It, like, I mean, really, the first two rounds, which I thought till, you know, one, they're fairly close. I mean, really, my big takeaway was in the third, Calvin started shooting doubles and getting them. And I was yeah, like, what oh, was that, that? would have been nice in the first and second and, you know, mixing that in a little bit more. But it just seemed like both guys just weren't really on top of their game until was just a little bit more. You know, he was scoring the low kicks, but there was never any point in this match where it looked like Till really hurt Calvin, like did a lot of damage. There was never any time where it looked like Calvin was getting clean shots in. Um, he got some good doubles, and, and, and that was cool. But until was dealing with like he got in late because he had a visa issue. Oh yeah, there was a lot of and things. And then Calvin cheated at the weigh-ins, which was hilarious. That's true. There's a lot of yeah, a lot, a lot of weird stuff going around the edges on this one. But yeah, um, Wonder Boy and Luke was a lot of fun. Um, Luke was whooping his ass for like I want to say the first three minutes, four minutes. And then Wonder Boy got his timing. And once he got Luke's timing, he started to carve Luke up like a Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah. Well, really, it was Luke super aggressive in this first round and being very successful. I mean, what you can't do with Thompson is let him dictate the pace, let him dictate the distance, because that's when he's going to get all the time in the world to set up his spinning shit, to land kicks, to land punches. So when, uh, Lupe was just on him in that first round. He was doing great. I think he just, his stamina couldn't keep up with that high pace. Thompson weathered the storm. And like you said, it was a combination of getting the timing down a little bit more. And also Lupe just kind of getting tired and letting Thompson start to dictate the pacing and pick his shots. And that's where he really started to shine. In the second and third round, he really was in his flow. I think people kind of forgot how good Wonder Boy is too. Like he had those fights with Woodley and then he got kind of got dicked in that till fight. Um, and Anthony Pettis caught him, man, but Luke, he needed this win. It was a big he win did. for Wonder Boy. Um, he needed it to look good and impressive, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. You know, he weathered the storm, and then he looked like his old self. Fantastic. I thought Luke was a little bit hard on himself where he said, Wonder Boy exposed me. I'm not sure it was that. I just think he was a little bit too aggressive, and then they just, you know, he couldn't maintain it. Like, I don't know. I mean, you'd obviously improve. I don't wouldn't say as he got exposed, though. Yeah, and Thompson presents a lot of unique challenges. He's a top-five that- fighter. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think really with Lupe it was just he he had the right strategy going in, and it just seemed like he just couldn't keep up that pace. You know, he just got tired, and Thompson started getting on, and then he let Thompson lead the dance, and that's where it just started to cave in on him. Um, the Derek Lewis Blagoy even off fight, I thought Blagoy won personally. I like Derek Lewis. Um, 
I the the line Dom I'm trying to find the line Dominic Cruz said about um Blagoy being like someone about like being able to hit like somebody I think Joe Rogan was talking about how tough he was. And then Dominic said something like, Yeah, he withstood a knife to the heart. This should be nothing or something like that. I'm trying to find it, but Dominic had a few good zingers the whole night, to be honest. He was really throwing people under the bus. Like, well, here it really, is. Yeah. Well, he's taking a knife to the heart. A punch should be fine. That was excellent. Okay. <laughs> yeah, was... I mean, this, this was a tough fight because Derek Lewis, you know, he was letting his hands go. He was landing some pretty good shots, but um, Bogoy's just so fucking tough. And I mean, I think to his credit, you know, he did get ganged up on eight guys and got stabbed in the heart. So I think when you have fighters with that kind of mentality kind of like Jorge Masvidal says like I used to do street fights like I was worried about you know bros buddies in the back pulling a knife out and stabbing me in the back you know when you face those kind of like real gangster shit violence in the streets the cage fight just seems like neutral playing grounds it's like okay this is one place where it's going to be fair pickings for me no one's going to be jumping in from the crowd to fight and you know I thought Blogoy did some good stuff you know he got some good takedowns on Derek but one thing you have to give Derek Lewis credit for, and I always do because I think he's really good at this. He gets, he's not horribly difficult to take down. You know, when you get double underhooks on him and sweep a leg, the dude's going to fall down like a brick, like a, like a sack of bricks. But he is really good at getting back up to his feet, and you have to give him credit for that. Blagoy was able to get him he, down. He does never it immediately, to too. It's like the Chuck Liddell thing where it says the second someone gets you down, you got to start moving. Because if yeah. you don't want to and I would say it's not quite as quick as, oh, of course, as, but, as you know, he's a slow guy. But I mean, he gets there. He knows the positions he has to get into escape. He works for him. He gets them. He explodes. He gets up. It's just, you know, I think a lot of times when we're picking fights, I always downplay, you know, the, the skill of Derek Lewis because he seems like a guy that just throws heavy punches and sometimes he gets the win. But he does a lot of smart things defensively to get himself back in positions. <clears throat> where he can do damage, and he landed some good punch on uh, Blagoy. It was a close fight. I kind of think maybe Blagoy got one with those takedowns and stuff, but, you know, I, I, I'm i glad Derek won. He needed this win. Um, his career has been, you know, a little difficult, with a little up and down recently, so getting some consistency is good. Yeah, Derek Lewis, he's a good dude, man. Like, I mean, you guys saw yeah, that stuff. Like the, there's also the floods in Houston and stuff. There was that thing where Derek Lewis was like, he saved a guy with a big-ass Confederate flag. On his like car, Derek Lewis still saved him and stuff. Like, Derek Lewis is a good man. Like, and he needed this, and um, it was better than I thought. Like when we said that the um, Till and uh, Gaslam was like wasn't good. Like on an even scale, it was better than this fight. But this one was just you know we had low expectations, and it really yeah. it came through. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Bob, but in that first round, I was thinking like, oh man, this is looking like Lewis and Naganu. There was yeah. a lot of standing and measuring and no one pulling the trigger but once these guys got going they really got going and went after it and it was you know like you said when we were looking at this fight last week we're like oh this is probably going to be the low fight we've seen Derek lewis kind of phone it in and not have super exciting fights and this was not one of them um okay so this honestly what i'm about to mention is really after the main event was the most relevant stuff the, the most relevant thing to happen in my opinion kevin lee needed this win badly and Kevin Lee, we talked about it. This was a bad matchup for him on paper. He made a fucking statement where he high-kicked Gregor Gillespie, Rashad Evans, Sean Salmon style, and his first camp at TriStar Mark, making some adjustments. Kevin Lee put down an undefeated fighter with a lot of hype behind him in under three minutes. Massive victory for him. Massive. Yeah. 
and, and like you were saying, this is really what he needed because, you know, for a good while there, he was, you know, highly contested to be like, you know, one of the best fighters in the division. And, you know, I, I think with this performance, re puts him in, in that conversation in a big way. Um, but his loss to Ella Quinta and Dos Anjos really kind of, I mean, at least for me, where I've never been super high on uh, Kevin, just kind of cemented like, okay. I always, I never really thought this guy was like top tier and maybe he's not because he's having a hard time with these other guys who are also top tier. This was, like you mentioned, a big test for him, stylistically a tough matchup. And he won this fight in flying colors. I mean, the most, you know, one of the most brutal head kicks we've seen in a while. Mostly it helps that how Gregor fell, how it prompted him up to get smashed a few more times by Kevin Lee. But really, you know, like you're saying, coming off two losses, he needed something spectacular. He had made big changes in his camp, like you said, going to TriStar. Um, you couldn't have wished for a better outcome for him. So, yeah, this was exactly what he needed. Um, and he came out with flying colors. So, good on Kevin Lee. This really puts him back in the conversation in a big way. Um, I still think he needs to get, you know, one more big fight in there. And then I think you can realistically talk about him challenging for the belt again. But I think this correct ship, we need one more big fight where we can really say, like, nope, Kevin Lee, this new training camp, this is all aces. This guy is full go for that title. Um, and I, I, think, I didn't you know, know he had high kick in him, to be honest. Yeah, it's not really a, a, a asset of his striking that we see a lot. But, yeah, just, man, what a fantastic win. And, you know, for, for someone like me who, like I said, I've, I've never really got on the train, this really got me on the train. And, you know, I'm really excited to see who they match him up with next and how he performs, because if he can have another performance like this, you know, sky's the limit. You know, maybe we're finally seeing that that potential that a lot of other people have seen in the past. Um, That was... I'm I'm a big Kevin Lee mark, as I mentioned, and that was, as much as I like Gregor Gillespie, glad he was okay, because Jesus Christ, he got sh sent to the Shadow Realm. Um... That was huge for Kevin Lee. Um, another big one, Corey Anderson, man. Corey Anderson, it looked like he landed about a 52-hit combo on Johnny Walker. Like, the last 37 seconds of that fight mark, probably, from, like, 37, 40 seconds, he was just unloading the clip on Johnny Walker. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think for a lot of people, maybe way too many people, uh, the hype train was very real for Johnny Walker. And I mean, rightfully so, right? This I mean, I said it, man. I said we might have a case of the Ozdemir's here. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, but it, it's always difficult to, you know, not believe in that type of hype train where he's like, this guy is just steamrolling people. Like, guys just can't hang with him for more than 30 seconds. And, you know, I did pick Corey Anderson, but I'd be lying if I thought I, if I, if I said I thought he'd get it done in the fashion that he did. I thought at best Corey could get him into the late rounds and get him tired. You thought Corey and, Anderson was going to do his Corey Anderson thing. Right. <laughs> Which is, you know, out wrestle the guy, out hustle him and, and get that victory. You know, I didn't foresee a TKO win. Um, but like you said, just like with Kevin Lee, this is really what Corey Anderson uh, needed because coming into this fight, nobody was talking about Corey Anderson. It was all about Johnny Walker is going to walk through Corey Anderson. And then how are you going to challenge John Jones? Are you ready for John Jones? You know, and maybe this was a little bit, you know, overlooking Corey Anderson into the next step. Um, but Corey did what he needed to do. And he really put himself in the conversation for, you know, title contention. I don't think he's there. I think this kind of just solidifies it's him, Dominic Reyes. And we got Jan Blockowitz fighting Jacare in two weeks. If, it, those are the people. If Jan wins, those are your. I mean, it's. I mean, do you think John Jones is looking at this shit like, Jesus Christ? Can I convince Cormier to come back? Like, I'm not going to sell 14 pay per views with these guys. 
Well, I mean, unfortunately, that's kind of been the state of the light heavyweight division for a long time. I mean, I mean, I think Dominic Reyes is the most exciting of those three. Um, if Jan beats um, Jacare, Jacare, that's pretty impressive. I mean, you, beat, you, you beat Jacare and Luke Rockhold. You got two champ. You got two guys like that on your record. That means something. Yeah, I, th- I think it does, and it, you know, and I can't say this without it diminishing somewhat what Dominic did. But you know, it is. 85ers coming up into a higher weight class and maybe these guys just aren't fit for the weight class, you know, but you can say the same thing about Weidman and and Dominic Reyes because he just, we've, it's just so weird because we saw a whole class of what, you know, I consider to be somewhat journeyman 85ers move up to 205 and just do phenomenally well. And now we're seeing these really high caliber 185ers move up to 205 and just shit the bed. And it's a little, perplexing um and we'll see how jockery does with the weight but yeah those are kind of your your top contenders right now and i still think dominic rays i think with being undefeated six and six wins in the ufc oh yeah and just the way he knocked his last performance was fantastic i think Corey's performance here was really good as well but you know he's got he's got some losses and they're not that long ago so when he was yelling at johnny walker afterwards i'm like i think he's yelling at all of us like, cause we all talk about how fucking boring Corey Anderson's fight. Oh yeah, no, he. I think I think it really got to him just how little faith people had in him. Um, he mentioned, you know, at the weigh-ins, no one was cheering for him. Uh, he in obviously our defense, felt- his fights have been fucking boring. No, like, I totally. It's not just uh, we're not just all being assholes as an MMA community. We all recognize he knows how to win. But if the options are a guy who boots people down in twelve seconds versus a guy who takes fifteen minutes of grinding, look. Come on, man. <laughs> like, let's be yeah, honest. No, I, mean, I think that's realistic. You know, we're all excited, especially in this weight division where we need new exciting blood. Of course, Johnny Walker is going to get a lot more headlines because he's new. He's on a tear. He's been going through everyone. Corey Anderson's been here for a while. And yeah, he's he's got a string of, you know, pretty solid wins here, but they're not in exciting fashion. Until this Johnny Walker one, this was, that was an exciting finish for him, but it had been a long time since he finished somebody. So, you know, I think he's in the conversation, but I put Dominic a little ahead of him, and let's see how Jan does. Um, so I think Corey needs to get one more, unfortunately. Um, but I think that's just the way it is. Um, Shane Burgos, Burgos beat Maquin Armarcani from pillar to post. Like, he beat his ass for a long goddamn time. He's from the Ball Bronx, now 6-1 and one in the UFC. His only loss to Calvin Cater, who's headlining this weekend in Russia, which I think he got the short end of the stick, by the way, having to go all the way there. Um, big win for him. Burgos looks huge for 145. Just yoked. And beat a pretty tough guy there, so big win for him. Edmund uh, Shabazian. Um, he's getting a lot of looks because... Um, this is his fourth UFC win and he knocked out Brad Tavares in less than two and a half minutes. And Marcus, people don't finish Brad Tavares. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, only some of the best fighters in the division have, um, it took Izzy Adesanya 25 minutes of, of to fight to, to beat him. <laughs> like that's a thing, Rob, people who knocked him out in the UFC, like are, you know, Tim Boach, which, Okay. Bobby Knuckles and now Edmund Shabazian and Edmund Shabazian is 21 goddamn years old fighting out of the Glendale Fight Club with Edmund Tarverdian as his coach. Not 11 and 0 man, he's 4 and 0 in the UFC. He's got 9 fin- 10 finishes and 11 wins, Marcus. We got a prospect here it looks like. Yeah, I mean, awesome. You know, this this seems to be kind of his coming out party. 
Um, big card on the on the prelims, you know, got a big shocking, you know, first round knockout. So yeah, he's on the come up for sure. Um, Brad Tavares is a great scalp to have on the resume, but he's going to need to get some more high quality wins. You know, maybe two more, you know, high quality opponents if he can put them away in, in quick fashion like he did here. Yeah, he's going to be quickly shooting up to, for title contention. Um, short notice replacement actually. Um, so tough night for Brad. Um, Andre Arlovsky, our guy, you guys know how much I love Andre Arlovsky, got put down in 30 seconds by Jarezinho Rosenstruik, which is like, sounds like a Brazilian German, maybe, but he's from, uh, the Sudan, or some, sorry, from Suriname, which I don't, I know I didn't say that right. That's where, uh, Spong is from, right, though, I think, also, I think, right? Well, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I'm just bringing this up because big win for the dude, winning in 30 seconds um, in his third UFC fight now. He's got three knockouts in his three fights. He's going to replace um, Walt Harris uh, to face Overeem in the main event next month in D.C. Really just want to use this as a, to say, man, poor Walt Harris. Rough, yeah. rough. Like, if you haven't heard the story, his stepdaughter's been missing for almost two weeks now, and they're expecting, they're thinking something foul play happened, and Go follow, go look him up on social media. He was on Ari- Ariel had him on the show today, Walt Harris, to talk about the situation, <laughs> to get more publicity out there. Um, Darren Till, good guy that he is, was saying that he thinks he's going to get money from the Kevin, Kelvin Gastelum weigh in situation said, I don't want it. Give it to Walt Harris. Put it as a reward money for this situation with his stepdaughter. Just, just a shitty situation though, man. And wishing Walt all the best with all that. Um, I told you last week, Marcus, that it was really stupid, I thought, to have Chukasian and Maya fight on Fight Pass when the winner of that is probably the number one contender. Yep. Well, Chukasian's the number one contender, and when she gets baptized by our girl Shevchenko and nobody watches, this is a good reason to explain why. Well, I mean, the other side of that is, you know, people still don't think she has a chance in hell that she's yeah, going to win. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be an ESPN Plus card watch. It'll yeah, be like in, I, like... It'll be in fucking Peru or something or, yeah, or Poland. They'll do that. Um, Lyman Good from New York. Big win for him. Hakeem Dewadu, another big win. Fight of the night, Wonderboy and Luke. Um, and then performances to Corey Anderson and Kevin Lee. Really good card. Um, a little bit anticlimactic ending, but it was just a good night for the sport. Um, a lot of, you know, big shit going on. It was the... I was telling you, uh, Mark, uh, Mark, I was talking about this to you beforehand. They had Canelo Alvarez and Kovalov sit on a couch waiting for this to end. The zone made the mistake of wanting to go head to head with this. And they realized nobody's watching. Like Kovalov took a nap. Um, they just sat there for an hour. People in the arena waited because they did not want to air their main event against this card. Really tells you about how big of a night it was for MMA. So, yeah, and you know, not, not not too surprised. I mean, I knew um, Canelo was fighting. I also knew it was on the zone, and we get the zone, so I was like, I can kind of watch it whenever. Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of takes some of the shine off. If you're getting that service, you can kind of watch it whenever you want. So, I mean, it's always good to watch it live, so you don't get spoiled or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, you left, and I'm like, oh yeah, we pay for this. I might as well watch. <laughs> I, I, I mean, at this point, and I'm gonna talk about it and stuff I like. Like for DAZN, it's like they put on a lot of really good fight cards, you know, boxing and otherwise. But they kind of shoot themselves in the foot every weekend. When on Sunday night, I'm on the crapper, and it's like, here's here's a 17 minute highlight video of the event last night. I was like, 
well, fuck yeah, I'll watch this, and I'm kind of good. I don't need to watch four hours of boxing. So I was gonna say, like, it was a good fight, but you saw the finish. I'm like, well, I, I, <laughs> I saw the highlights. It looked really fun. I was glad I watched, you know, eight minutes of action and yeah. a fantastic finish. So I mean, it feels like I got my money's worth, and I have to. And technically, I wouldn't have had to pay anything, even though we are paying for this. Yeah, stuff. you guys left, and uh, my roommate Drew showed up, and like he showed up in like this, like. It took so long. They spent like 20 minutes on like a walkout on a national anthem. Yeah, I mean, they and do like, that a lot. And we just sat there watching it. And I'm like, all right. We're and Drew's like, this is just, they waited? I'm like, yep. 1 a.m. on the East Coast is when the walkout yeah, started. Um, okay. Um, we're going to talk um, real quick uh, about The Rock's announcement. Um, sure. We're all big pro wrestling fans here back in the day. We all were. Um, we had a giant rocky suck sign for the love of god um the rock though um announced that he's gonna make a movie about mark kerr and um, a lot of and when you're talking about a pioneer in mma you're really going for like a hardcore a hardcore audience when you're talking about mark kerr marcus he's probably um beyond winning or he didn't win it right he lost a pride grand prix but um and he won UFC, was it 14 we figured out, wasn't it? Something like that. He won a UFC tournament. Uh, yes. Um, he's known for being part of and being the subject of one of the best sports documentaries, I think, ever. One of the best documentaries about MMA right up there with uh, with Choke, probably. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones, to be honest, right now. Um, the one with Dustin. I mean, there's been a handful. Yeah, but... the one with uh, Anderson's was okay, by the way. Anyway, but... Um, the Smashing Machine, his nickname, and also The Smashing Machine, The Life and Times of Mark Kerr, I believe it's called, um, is HBO put it out. Um, it was, they, the documentaries pitched just to be Mark Kerr preparing for the Pride Grand Prix in, uh, year 2000. Ended up being about a toxic relationship with a lot of drug problems. And it's on YouTube. I just put it on our Twitter account if you've never seen it. Marcus, anybody who, before we get into the movie part of this, anybody who hasn't seen The Smashing Machine as an MMA fan should definitely check it out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, absolutely. I Honestly, for me, as someone who loves MMA, who who watched this uh, documentary when it aired on HBO, um, it was easily one of my favorite documentaries. I mean, obviously, the subject matter is very close to home. But if you are just vaguely interested in just like what early MMA was, um especially early pride what a great little morsel of a timescape a time a capsule that you can go in and look look into this because i mean you want to see some wild west mma there you go yeah and i mean Kerr really is just a fantastic subject matter because he's kind of this gentle giant where you know he was a fantastic wrestler and you know like a lot of these guys after college it's just like what am i going to do i could try to go to the olympics but Outside of that, there's really not much of a career. And, you know, this was just when, you know, UFC was starting up and he got into it. And he and I love the opening of the Smashing Machine because it shows him in IVC, Valley Judo in Brazil, where there's literally like no rules. And it's just I love this scene where he's talking about like just the links you'll go to in a fight. And he's saying, like, you cut a guy, you're not going to put your fingers in his cut. Yeah, you are. And you see, I mean, he's he's in a fight. The dude, he's headbutting this dude. He's putting fingers in the cut. He's just doing whatever he can to win this fight because it's a fucking dog fight. And, you know, you just see this guy and his career and his hardships. And it was just, I mean, and what makes this announcement um, 
so kind of perplexing is just that that story was told and it was it was told authentically um through a documentary it was not scripted or rehearsed um you know nothing was cut really i mean i'm sure stuff was cut but you know the most pertinent things that happened in the, in his uh in that time they showed and it was just such a fascinating thing that when the rock went out and said you know i'm making an mma movie about mark kerr it was just like there's a lot of really fucking interesting, fascinating people that get into this sport. Mark Kerr is definitely one of them. His story should be told, and it has. You know, and that, that's kind of why I ended. Like, if you want to know what Mark Kerr is really about and what his career was about, that movie solidifies it so well. I mean, look, he goes on and fights a bit more after, but really, that was the up and down of his career. And that kind of gives you everything you need to know about that story. So for them to make a movie out of it, it's just kind of like, I've well, kind of been there, done that. I just saw Mark Kerr's got a GoFundMe because he's got an issue with some nerves and stuff. And there wasn't a lot of money back in the day. Let's put it that way. So I'm going to say I hope he's getting a check and I'm sure they'll take care of him. Um, and I look, The Rock playing him is kind of weird. Because The Rock's 45 years old, and Mark Kerr is 50 right now. He's 45, Uh, he's Samoan, he has tattoos. Yeah, but you know what? Like, The Rock, they did the same thing. He took a... The Rock made a movie about um, this WWE wrestler. um, Her character name is um, Paige. uh, Soraya Bevis, I think, is her actual name. She... um, It was actually... The Rock saw a documentary. It was a little documentary about Paige who comes from a family of wrestlers where her mother's a wrestler, father's a wrestler. Her mother didn't know she was pregnant with her and was wrestling like with her in the womb. She's that kind of carny when it comes to wrestlers. Um, and The Rock saw a documentary about them and decided to make a movie out of it. And Steph and I saw the movie. And look, they use artistic license, but it was a good time. And for people who are wrestling fans to take that and be like, yeah, they did a good job. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll do a good job with this. Movie. I'm sure that too, but at least The Rock wasn't playing Paige in the movie. <laughs> well, The Rock's playing The Rock. <laughs> he is, which is, he's perfect for that. Um, mm-hmm. and I think he, I think he can do a, a good job playing Kerr. And honestly, it's like, I don't know, you know, what the, the movie's going to be about. Is it basically just going to be retelling the smashing machine? I mean, is Mark going to be, is The Rock going to be strung out on painkillers? I mean, like, I, 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 Honestly, I would kind of hope they would just try to do what he did with the page thing. Like that documentary was great. If you just want to take that and make a cinematic film, like look, I'm not. And like you said, like if this helps Kerr out financially, I'm all for it because that guy's had a really rough road. And I know, I think ESPN or somebody, you know, did like a follow up on him a couple of years back, and he wasn't doing bad. But dude's like selling used cars. You know, it's not for all these guys that give their blood sweat and soul for this fight game i always want them just to ride out into the sunset be financially well off so that they can kind of just do whatever they want i mean yeah this is like this is like let alone no pension this was paid in cash in japan times of mma so like if we can help him out and like mark coleman was so happy when he saw this i saw on like twitter saying congratulations to my you know to my brother mark mark kerr and stuff like that and he deserves a lot of like we all hold Mark Coleman in such reverence these days, and who deserves it gratefully? Mark Kerr is kind of there's a lot there's a lot of MMA fans who even are hardcore fans who don't really know Mark Kerr. Like I know who he is because you told me to watch that documentary. Yeah, I mean that's what his, did it. His height of fame 
was not even when Pride was really kicking. I mean, really, he was one of the early stars of Pride. You know, he had a couple matches before the the Grand Prix. And really, the Grand Prix was one of the, you know, potentially coming out parties for him. He was going to be in a big tournament with a lot of big names. And to win that tournament would really put you on the map. It did for, for Mark Coleman. Um, but, I mean, that's what made it such a fan, fantastic doc, documentary is just you didn't know. I mean, I knew how it was going to end. But if you're just watching it fresh, you didn't know. I mean, it seemed like he was set up to potentially win, but he's dealing with all these problems. And ultimately, if we get a feature film with The Rock playing Mark Kerr, in pride i mean if they show any pride stuff i'm gonna be pretty fucking thrilled if we get some igor bochanchin stuff in there oh, and stuff, I mean, can he what can igor play igor uh, what's he, igor up to why not retired a long time ago but i don't know i mean i don't I, I think there is i mean on one hand i do like i said before i think there is a lot of really interesting characters in this game and i maybe wouldn't have been against you know highlighting someone who isn't getting a lot of love or something along the Yeah, I mean, look, if the options were this or Hoist, I'm okay with this. <laughs> like, sure. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of, like, like I mentioned, Chris Lytle. That'd be kind of an interesting case. That guy has a, had a weird career. He's like a politician and stuff now. But, you know, I don't know who I'd want before, but just like hearing Mark Kerr, the first thing you think is like, man, they kind of nailed it with the smashing machine. I don't know, need to know if we need to go back to that. But in retrospect, now thinking about it, like if they show old IVC fights and they basically just recreate the smashing machine i think it, really if the rock i need the rock to act a little bit man i you just can't be the rock in this one like i'll see it i'll watch this i'm in like i'll watch the shit out of this I am. but like we're going well let's put this on let's put this out there people we're seeing this movie but i want to see a little bit more um man i'm looking at mark kerr mark kerr won abu has three abu dhabi gold medals yeah he won 99 in 1999 he won the, pl the plus 99 kilogram gold in 2000 he won the plus 99 kilogram gold and he won the fucking absolute like, he's got wins in grappling over Josh Barnett, Regan Machado, Rico, Rico Rodriguez, Ricardo Almeida, fucking Josh Barnett twice. One time he finished Josh Barnett with a Kimura. The man is an accomplished fighter. And sure, you look at his record, you're like 15 and 11. Who gives a shit? There's a, like, he, there's some motherfuckers he beat in there. Like, he's a, he's a, we, we aren't today. Here we are today with him. You have to remember, too. Like, and they, they, speak about this greatly on the documentary like he was one of the first guys the first wrestlers that was really like oh no i need to learn kickboxing i need to use kicks and punches and you know more than just and, and submission grappling you know he was one of the hybrid fighters you know him uh frank shamrock these were some of the guys that were like really like they also they fucked him with that rule change which one didn't they what well, didn't they didn't they make it the knees to the head illegal or was it already it illegal? was it was very weird they yeah when he lost to eagle or bochanchin in like pride eight before all the events before all those pride events you could do knees to the ground and this one you couldn't and igor hit him with a couple knees that were illegal and it ultimately became a no contest um which was just weird um but ultimately you know I, you watch a documentary and the demons he was fighting was a lot more than just igor and ensign inoue and Fujita, you know, he was fighting. Boss yeah. Rutan needs to play Boss Rutan in this movie. Who needs to play Boss? Boss Rutan. Oh, yeah. I mean, that'd be great. Like, why not? There's a lot. I mean, boss really, there's a lot. I mean, I'll the more we talk about it, the more I'm excited that they're making a movie, a big Hollywood movie about it. And the more I really just like, just go watch The Smashing Machine, because not only is Boss Rutan great in that, one of my favorite depictions is of Henzo Gracie, because he's with this guy. I can't remember his name. There was this fucking giant dude that was fighting coleman i think it was at like ufc 9 or something and henzo looks like a they're in the pool and henzo looks like a fucking madman because he's like 
the 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 other guy speaking Portuguese, and he's like, "I can't go easy on this guy. I have eight kids I have to feed." And Enzo looks like a fucking psychopath. It's this was in he's fighting. He was facing a Brazilian. I'm looking at Mark Coleman. Mark Coleman or Mark Kerr? Mark Coleman. He was facing this Brazilian guy, it's like Ricardo something or other. It's like Pride Eight or not? Oh, Ricardo Moraes. Yeah, Pride Eight. Ricardo Moraes. Dude yeah. is. I mean. When uh, was Joe Rogan used to say like Brock Lesnar was like genetically created to fuck a girl. this guy fucks Brock Lesnar. <laughs> He's like the scariest dude I've ever seen. Dude, this is this is how you sell people on fucking getting fight pass stuff like this. Yeah, but it was um, um yeah, and I think you know Rock's gonna do a great job. So honestly, the more we talked about it here, I got more excited than when we started. So I'm like, yeah, fuck it, I'll see it, and I hope Mark Kerr gets a check, and uh, the Rock I feel will not make him look bad. Same. At minimum. And if you want to watch a documentary, uh, twitter.com slash it's I'm amazing. I just posted it. Not that it's ours, but you know, look on YouTube for Smashing Machine. It's the one that's 90 fucking minutes long. There's like three postings I just looked at. Um, all right. Um, UFC's in, uh, what's it called? In Moscow on Saturday. Um, Zabit Magomed Sharapov, Abraham Lincoln motherfucker, um, who is now was he now 15 and one 17 and one overall five and oh in the ufc he should be fighting i mean calvin cater is a good fighter calvin cater is four and one in the ufc coming off of a first round knockout of ricardo lamas um zabit is minus i lost it minus okay. 300 to calvin cater's plus 250 I think Calvin Cater is a really good fighter, Mark, and beating Ricardo Alamas was a big win for him. They're not flying him to Moscow to beat a Russian. So I got Zabit. Steph's got Zabit. Mike's got Zabit. You've got Zabit. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've only seen a couple. Actually, no, I've seen a handful of Zabit fights. He's, he's extremely impressive. Um, this is going to be a tough uh, fight for um, Carter, Calvin Carter, whatever, but Cater, uh, sorry. Um, and I don't, I'm just not as familiar with him. So really unfair to, you know, throw too much analysis here, but been super impressed with Zabit. I mean, he's gotten some wicked submissions in the past. I think this is, you know, g- going to be a test for him, but I think he'll be able to pass it in front of his, you know, Russian comrades. Um, yeah. And, uh, Greg Hardy on short notice taking on Alexander Volkov. Boy, That's a tough fight. <laughs> that is a tough, if he pulls it off, look, fuck Greg Hardy times a million. I would be impressed if he won this fight, to be honest. Uh, absolutely. This is, I would be, that would be the most impressive victory of his by a mile. Oh, yeah. This is like, he's not taking a step up in competition. He's, they're going to make him fight Derek Lewis. He's, if he he's wins BK this fight. penning out of the pool onto the outside. This is the biggest step that he's taking. They're, they're, they're seriously going to make him fight uh, Derek Lewis if he wins this fight. Uh, Derek I mean, Lewis is going to get his win. You know, I, I think if he wins this fight, you know, the conversation on Greg Hardy changes drastically because, I mean, his last performance left nothing to be desired. He cheated in it. He's cheated in it a lot of his fights. And the fights he's won have really been against guys we, we can't have a barometer for. You know, we know this guy's explosive in the first round. Um, this is a huge test for him, and I'm interested to see, you know, how it's going to play out. I'm interested to see when it's not going his way, what he might resort to. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, this is main card starts at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. on the West Coast. So one, two, three, six fight main card. I think the main event probably hits us around 1 p.m. Is this a ESPN Plus? It is ESPN. All right, Plus. I like it. Yeah, um, I'll actually be not watching this. I'll be in New York. Um, there's some guys on this card, and they didn't send them over there to win. I'm just saying. They didn't fly, uh, 
Danny Roberts, Ed Herman, and Anthony, Antonio Rocco Martin out there to get wins. So um, we'll see what we get from it. We got a 13-0 guy on this car too named Shamil Gamazatov. He will not be any more or less popular regardless of what happens in this fight because no one's going to watch this. Um, that was less than six minutes. Um, moving on real quickly, Mark. There's a lot of stuff happening this Saturday I just want to mention. Bellator is in Thackerville, Oklahoma. And giving you the card the people of Thackerville deserve, though as I look at it now, while the main event is John Salter versus Costello Van Stinas, the co-main event is King Mo versus some guy named Andrew Kappel. Oh, I think this is Mo's last fight. I think he said, look, definitely hanging it up. Because it's Oklahoma and he went to I school there? Probably. probably. That's yeah. probably exact. Leslie Smith is on this card. Um, Tyrell Fortune, big prospect uh, wrestler. One of those guys they signed is on this card. So is Logan Storley, another big wrestler they signed. Bellator sending these wrestlers out there, man, fighting Thackerville. They might have all went to school there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, one, is ha- one has a card, I think, on Friday. Um, Edward Foliang is on this card. It's on BR Live. I don't know if that means it costs money. I don't think it does, no, it- to be honest. Um, none of the Americans you know are on this card. Um, and also on Saturday, KSW has a card. And I'm only bringing this up because the man, Pujanowski, is the main event. All right. <laughs> Taking on some guy who's 3-0. Um, yeah, man, this is... All the fight, everybody's got a card this weekend, it looks like. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's just talk about stuff we like this week. Huh? What do you think, brother? That sounds good. Um, I got a, I got two things to mention. Um, I'll go with the first one. I'm going to end with the wrestling, but let me go real quick and I'll start with this and you can go do your thing. Um, I'm going to say it definitively now. And I wish Mark uh, Stefan was here because we had a 20 minute conversation about this show before this podcast started. He just couldn't make the show. The man's exhausted. Um, Watchmen, I'm going to say it, they made a good Watchmen TV show. And I'm in. I'm all in. I haven't had a show that's like my show, like that I've been invested in and look forward to new episodes. Honestly, in a while, Mark. Like, True Detective was like that for me for a while, the first season. It kind of went off the rails in the second season. Game of Thrones was never that for me. It's like a Dexter for me. Where like I, It's a Sunday night show. It kind of renewed my faith in um, HBO, which is weird. But I haven't had it. Like, they really are killing it. Like, they made a – it was a tall order, this show, not doing the original comic and doing it within the universe. It feels like the comic. The tone, the way the words come out of the, the dialogue, the way it's acted, it feels like the comic book. They fucking nailed it. I know it's only three episodes, but this third episode – really like i when it was over i was just like holy fuck like they did it so i hope it holds up i don't want to talk about any specifics here because i know mark's gonna watch it and i still can't tell any of you to watch it if you haven't read the book so i'm just gonna say again you all should read the Watchmen book it's one of the best uh graphic novels ever one of the best works of fiction ever yeah i mean i haven't seen any of it yet but all i've heard from everybody was and even people that saw advanced screenings was like you said, it is a fantastic show and that the first episode, you know, was the worst. Like basically that it just gets better after that first episode. And so like when you think there's so many layers, to right? It. It's and like, so when you so came many a couple weeks ago and we're like, oh man, I watched the first episode and it was fucking fantastic. I was just like, well, here's just, it's only gonna get better from here. Cause that's all I've heard is just how good it is. And I do plan on watching it at this point. 
uh, I kind of I, I'm glad that it's not agonizing me that I'm not seeing it. You know, I, I hear all the good things, and it's just it's just nice to be like, you know what? I, it's okay that I'm not part of the zeitgeist right now. Kind of like with Game of Thrones. Sometimes it's just like I don't have the channel. I can't watch it. It's whatever. I I can let it go and be its thing, and other people can enjoy it or hate it or whatever. But I do plan once it is completed finding some way to watch it and just, you know, quickly consuming it. Um, instead of like, as of right now, just like doing a week by week thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for HBO. They obviously have taken some turns with their quality of programming. Everyone was very high on game of Thrones for a long time. Uh, what was the Western one? Westworld. Westworld started strong and kind of as tapered. They've had some shows that start good and taper off or don't meet the audience. They needed another big, they needed another game of Thrones. I, I really hope this is doing well in ratings. I, I don't know. Again, it is. the word of mouth is Mia, phenomenal so far. Me and Stefan were talking about it. We're like, we honestly still don't know if someone who hasn't read the book would really get into it. But I guess he was telling me like his um his sister-in-law um, or I, I think, for, I don't know if Francis is married. But anyway, whatever. His brother's partner watched it and I think she was um really into it and like she didn't read it at all. Like they thought it was good. So I, I'm, he, the props to Damon Lindenoff, the lost guy for pulling this off. So well done. Um, Marcus, um, I'll talk about wrestling at the end. What do you got for gaming? This sure. Week? You know, I got a couple things. Um, this is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll head it this way because this is kind of how I view it. Um, I, I'm really fortunate. My birthday is coming up on Thursday, the 7th. And why I say I'm so fortunate is I love, when my birthday is because of the hobbies I have, um, the early November is a Mark loves voting. I love, I love having that voting day. (laughs) It it has happened before. It's kind of, that's fun. Not what I'm interested in necessarily, but, um, this is prime time for, uh, you know, the holiday season gaming. And this week, a day after my birthday, uh, you know, one of the biggest games this year is coming out exclusively for PS4 until 2020 where, um, death stranding will be coming on PC. Um, and interesting enough, we did get reviews a week early, and maybe not so surprising, extremely divisive. Um, overall, it has a pretty solid Metacritic at around like 86 or so, but really, um, if you have any personal interest in seeing if this game is for you or not, I would definitely read or watch some reviews because it is very poor, poor, uh, polarizing, and um, a lot of, you know, it's either going to hit for you or it's not. This is the latest game from Hito Kojima whose claim to fame was really the Metal Gear Solid franchise. And, you know, he he deals with a lot of kind of weird storylines. Uh, he gets kind of deep dives into the minutia of things. And a lot of people can find his games to be kind of tedious, boring, and even pretentious. And I think that's what a lot of people are saying about Death Stranding, who don't enjoy it. Um, the other side of the conversation, there's a lot of people that either love the wackiness of the story and just the stuff he's trying to accomplish the way he's trying to move the medium into new directions. Um, and there's actually, I read a lot of people's reviews where they actually just like the core gameplay, which if you kind of break it down, you're just like a FedEx guy walking around delivering packages, but in a very realistic sense where you're kind of looking at the terrain and try not to wear down your shoes. I'm, I'm really excited to try it. You know, I don't know where I'll land. I don't know if I'll end up finishing it. It seems like it's a very long game like Metal, Metal Gear Solid five was, but I'm just glad that Kojima, after decades of making the Metal Gear Solid franchise, is finally kind of free to do what he wanted to do. And this is what he created, you know, good uh, good or bad. You know, this is something that he wanted to do. He accomplished it. And, you know, it's 
And depending on, you know, what you like in the medium of video games, this could be right up your alley or the exact opposite of what you want to play in a video game. Um, I did want to mention one other game that's coming out that I'm also kind of excited about because this is a long-running franchise that I've had no interest in until this installment. But Mario and Sonic at the Olympics 2020 Tokyo actually looks fucking badass, and it has ever since they showed it, mostly because they've added a whole bunch of uh, events for Summer Olympics that I really wanted them to, like boxing and karate and fencing, more combat sports, really. Um, it looks like they're really trying to do some interesting stuff this year uh, with their Mario and Sonic at the Olympics, and... I'm all for it. I'm I'm really interested to see how this works because it really just seems like they gave a shit this year. Like they're like, you know, what, let's make a fun party game. We're gonna have all of these kind of weird events you normally wouldn't see. Also, like skateboarding and stuff like that. And then they're doing a whole retro mode where they're going to 1967 and it's like NES graphics. Marcus, by the way, sorry. You said the reviews were good or not so good yet on the uh, on Death Standing. Uh, Death Stranding, Stranding, is Stranding mixed, extremely mixed. Um, Extreme legs. Yeah. Metacritic looks good. Metacritic right? at 86 is pretty good, but you'll see there's a you know a lot of tens, and then there's I think the worst score they got was like a 35, and I think you'll see more division maybe in the kind of public sphere where I mean I think critics when you're kind of looking at a at any work critically, you kind of have to take that view where like okay maybe this game isn't fun, but what is it trying to say? What is it trying to accomplish? Does it accomplish those things? There's a lot more stuff when you're, I think, reviewing a game and analyzing it that you can take out of. I think when you're just a consumer and you buy this game and kind of the word on the street is like the first 10 hours is kind of a slog, there's going to be a lot of people that that buy into this Ooh. and they're like, <laughs> yeah, this game's boring and tedious and not fun and they'll drop off. And I think, And I think that's totally fair, but I think what makes it so intriguing is just that you kind of want to see where you fall in that line. Like, is this going to resonate with me? Is the story going to grab me? Is the gameplay going to grab me like it has other people? Or is it going to fall flat? You know, and it, for 60 bucks, maybe that's a, a price tag is not worth to see if you like a game and you rather just buy a Call of Duty. You know what you're getting. You know it's going to be fun. And that's totally fair. But, you know, in any medium, it, it's I think it should always be somewhat uh, rewarded or congratulated that someone try something different, you know, and especially in the AAA space for video games that have gotten very samey over this last generation. It's refreshing to see someone that's just like, I have an idea. It might succeed. It might fail, but we're fucking trying it. And they tried it. And I think it's mixed results. But I think overall, it just, you know, not being a complete disaster is somewhat of a success. Um, right. Sorry for making you go back. No, no not at all. Sorry. The one last thing I did want to mention also, you know, dealing with my, my birthday celebration, um, when me and Bobby and Mike were discussing if we were going to get DAZN, um, there was only one thing that sold me. Um, I had quickly become infatuated with Noya Inoa, who is this fucking brilliant fucking Japanese boxer. And I got onto him uh, fairly recently. I think I mentioned it a couple months ago. And then I saw he he's fighting on the World Series of Boxing, which is on DAZN. So when we talked about it, I was like, fuck yeah, I'll pay... 30 bucks for a year because I want to see this dude's next fight. And luckily he's, he's literally fighting on my birthday, but it's in Japan. So it's actually going to be at 2 AM on November 7th. So I will be, God damn I'll be watching that fight. <laughs> I thought when I looked at it earlier, it said it was going to be at four o'clock on the six. And I was like, Oh, perfect. By the time I get home, it'll probably be the main event. I can watch that and move on. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, how he does in this final of the world series. He's going after a new belt. Um, all the, footage i've seen of him has just been a light i mean what a fucking 
masterful boxer this kid is. And um, I guess on this card, his uh, younger brother is also fighting for a belt. So that's kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm really, I've been, I ever since I saw this guy, I've just fallen in love with the way he fights, you know, his shot selection, his combinations. Um, and I'm really interested to see what he does. You know, hopefully he wins. I'm really pulling for the guy. But uh, yeah, just super intrigued. And, you know, I, I honestly, I was looking all the time. When's this dude's fight? When are they booking this fucking fight? And when they finally did, it was like November 7th. I was like, fuck yeah. You know, man, I got like a fucking like hour and 20 minute BART ride on Thursday. I'm going to have to download the Zone app. Can, can you, <laughs> Maybe check this out. Can you download just like the main event or something? That'd be nice. Um, that's true. I might lose some connection while we go underwater there. Um, yeah. Um, the Zone, by the way, stream was crisp as hell. Nice. I never actually used it before in a live event. I haven't really used it for anything much before. Same. I tried to watch Bellator one time on it. Um, there's too many UFC fights. That was why this wasn't a good purchase. <laughs> well, Killer watched so much fighting. Um, before we go, this Saturday is AEW's, uh, I don't know what number of pay-per-view this is. The first one says they've been on TV. Um, I've said it, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, their show is just good. They're putting on a good wrestling show. And you know what? Uh, so is WWE on NXT. They're putting on a good show there. They're not putting on a good show on Mondays and Fridays. SmackDown isn't good. Raw isn't good. Don't lie to yourselves, people. NXT is a good show. AEW is a good show. Only watch wrestling on Wednesdays. And this pay-per-view. AEW, which, Mark, in 2019, asking $60 for a pay-per-view is a tough Ooh, bucket thing is. to do. Um, But they've managed to... It's really interesting when you build up matches and don't give them away for free. And get people excited, excited in the story. And you say you're going to, and God, I don't know how Chris Jericho does it. Chris Jericho has strapped this thing to his back and he's getting the whole fucking company over every week. And, um, if I'm going to recommend anybody check out his promo from a couple weeks ago where he put over four guys and himself and a new faction in less than seven minutes. And he's wrestling Cody on this card. Um, the young bucks are taking on Santana and Ortiz better known as LAX in their previous life. Um, the Hangman, Adam Page, is taken on Pac, formerly known as Neville. And the match everybody's most excited for, John Moxley, Kenny Omega. We, it was taken away from us due to a staff infection. He got MRSA, actually, which, fuck, is rough. Um, but Moxley got, came back from that now. Him and Kenny Omega, people have been wanting that since May, um, when Omega, when Moxley debuted and Kicked the shit out of Omega at that show in uh, Vegas. Um, they're putting on a good show. And uh, I didn't expect myself to actually be able to watch a wrestling show in 2019. And I still can't watch an entire show. But I get home on Wednesdays and I'm like, all right. Like, let me, you know, I'll come in and out and watch it. And they're doing a good job. And it's nice that in all in, in any form of entertainment, when people are pushed to compete with one another, it really br uh, helps bring their best effort. And the head-to-head -head shows on Wednesdays are doing a good job. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and Jericho, man, fuck. He's like 49 years old and he's killing it. Amazing. Um, that's it. That's all I got this week. That's all we got this week, Marcus. You got anything nope, else? We're done. Yeah. Um, we will be back next week. Maybe. Possibly. Maybe. Another two-man show. It might keep me marked by himself. He's going to yeah, do I've a, done it a before. <laughs> A, de a deaf poetry jam is going to be some spoken word for you. No, um, you should have um, 
DJ Mark and Kid Presentable next Monday, I imagine. Um, I won't be here, um, and I will be drinking with Lavender Gooms at a bar is my plan for next Monday night. So um, check us out next week. Um, it's kind of a lull in MMA, but Marcus and Steph um, should be able to preview this card the UFC has on, um, which is headline we mentioned by Jacare and Blockowitz. Um, it's taking place in uh, Sao Paulo. Man, poor Blockowitz. They make you follow the way to Brazil. Come on, man. You're the favorite. Call some shots here. But uh, Shogun and Paul Craig, Charles Oliveira, Jared Gordon, James Krause, Sergio Marais. Um, this isn't bad. Bobby Green, Francisco Trinaldo, Henan Barrows on the undercard. This card could have used some of this stuff. Um, again, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, back next week. Um, that's it. Peace out. See ya.